the 18th of July, 2007, episode 82. The Rookie Designer, with your host, Adam Hay. Let's take a look at the starting lineup. Well, today we actually have a listener-inspired topic and even a bit of audio from one of my new favorite listeners. That's right. Somebody finally contributed to the UShare program. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll be talking about design and technical skills and how they can kind of mesh together to make incredible applications. Is this what's right for you? Are you the right person for it? Maybe a better question. I um, also want to go over a couple of a couple of things that have come up in the last couple of episodes, uh, one of which is Web 2.0 and what people may think that that actually means when they use that term. So that's what's in the show today. Stick around. A few announcements right up front here. Uh, the first one is quick tips. I just realized today that uh, I was going up to put up episode 82 of quick tips, or I guess it was 72, um, and realized that I never put up 71, which was supposed to come out last week. So there was nothing wrong last week. I just didn't realize for a whole entire week that I didn't put it up. It was completely done and ready to go. So uh, sorry for that inconvenience. But as it turns out, if you are a watcher, a viewer of Quick Tips for Designers, you are going to get a very special week because I just released number 72, meaning you're already going to get two new episodes this week. And I'm planning on releasing one more before I go on vacation. Uh, so probably Friday or Saturday, I'm going to put one more up. And it's it's really more of a, it's not really a design tip, but it's something that a lot of people have been asking about. So I thought I'd make a podcast about it. So anyways, stick around, stay tuned for that one. Uh, you should have 71 through 73 by the end of this week. And uh, speaking of the vacation, I am... Just to remind you guys, I am going to be on vacation, which is why I'm coming to you a week early. Uh, there will not be an episode next week. That's why we're having the one today. I will be gone for an entire week. So if everything goes as planned, uh, we will be back with the next episode the week after next. And uh, hopefully everything will go according to plan. All right, the podcast awards. The nomination process is over now. They're they're counting all the nominations. They said they got massive, massive hits, so that might take a little while. I think they give themselves seven to ten days. Once they're done with that, then we'll know who's in the top five. We'll know if uh, if we're if we made the cut this year. So if we did, again, I'll, I'll probably ask you guys, you know, a few times to go up and vote for me if you'd like. Uh, if not, well, then maybe you should vote for somebody else's podcast that you like. And uh, just a reminder, if you do go up to vote for someone else's podcast, uh, I ask that you vote for Plan 9 Rock Show for the PodSafe Music category. A good friend of mine puts on a great, great show. Check it out if you want to, Plan9Print.com. And, uh, you know, if you're up there and you don't have anybody else to vote for for that category, throw him a vote. It's, uh, he deserves it. All right, uh, forum registrations. We did the uh, last week. I took down all the people that have zero posts, and there was a lot of them. We were up over 4,400 people, I think, that were registered. And uh, I use the term people loosely because I think most of them were from spam bots. But I, I took out all the ones, everybody who didn't put a post up, and some of them were up there for, some of them were registered for a very long time and had no posts. 
And now we're down to under 330 or something like that. So you can see that there was a lot of spammers up there. We got rid of all of them now. I'm doing a much better job of keeping those people out. Um, some of the measures I've taken have worked wonders. Uh, spam bots are getting turned away by the dozens now. Uh, a few slip in here and there just because uh, they know how to, to cheat the system somehow or they get in by uh, dumb luck. But again, I am still making all registrations come to me, so I get to give the final say as to whether the person gets to be registered or not. That being said, if I ever, if you try and register and I deny you for some reason, because you know maybe something looks fishy with your uh, email address or something like that, just send me an email to adam at rookiedesigner.com and say, hey, you know, I was trying to sign up and it looks like I got denied, and then I will, I will instruct you of how to fix that so that we can get you signed up. And, uh, you know, I don't want to turn anybody away, but I don't want to let the spammers in again because it got really, really ridiculous for a while there. All right, regular programs, the UShare program. And we have our first entry today, thank, courtesy of James. So thank you, James. And he actually sent in audio. Like I said, if you have the capability of recording audio and sending it in, I more than welcome that. That would be awesome. Uh, just make sure that it's something that you want played on the show because I will play it on the show. Uh, if you don't have the capability, then just go ahead and send me an email. Uh, send me an attachment or just write it in an email, something you'd like to talk about, a topic or something like that, and I'd gladly share it with the rest of the people on the show. That's the whole idea here. Uh, the other one is the old Telefriend program. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your classmates, coworkers, anybody who you think could benefit from listening to the show, please tell them about it because this is our only way of building this community and getting more people listening. And the more people listen, the more the audience grows, the longer this show is going to go on and have great content. So please do that. And, uh, well, thank you guys for listening. Uh, I know I, I usually wait until the very end to, to tell you guys thank you, but I really, really do appreciate everything that you guys do. Even if you're just sitting there listening to it, you downloaded it, so you're helping me out. Uh, but I know lots of people out there have, have told several friends to, to come check it out. I have people sending me emails who are instructors who tell me that they make their students listen to it. I have people who are uh, in employers maybe, and they say that, that it's required coursework for, for their interns and stuff like that. This stuff makes me feel so good that, that people are getting so much out of this and that I'm not just blowing smoke and uh, people are actually uh, finding it useful. So that's good. And, and thank you guys so much for that. Uh, I couldn't ask for a better audience, that's for sure. All right, one more before we get started. This podcast is being brought to you by GoToMeeting. And GoToMeeting, they make software that allows you to meet with other people, but you can meet with people who are very far away from you, in different countries even, around the world, because you meet online and they get to see everything you're doing on your desktop. So, much like we do in Quick Tips for Designers, where I, I actually show you going through the applications how I do things, same thing here. You can actually show people what you're doing. Uh, a useful application for you might be to, to show somebody some work you did for them if they're not in the same area. Maybe they're on travel. Maybe you got a job from somebody who lives pretty far away from you. This would be a great way to show them what you've done and get some feedback from them instantaneously so that uh, you can speed up that process. And, and it's a little easier to do that, obviously, than over the phone. Uh, a little easier than maybe sending them a PDF and having them mark it up or something like that. So uh, you can try this for free for 45 days. Just go to the URL gotomeeting.com forward slash podcast. 
That's gotomeeting.com forward slash podcast. And there's a little form to fill out there. Once you fill that out, you can download the software and check it out. So uh, definitely do so. It's very cool stuff. Uh, as, as I've said before, we use it at my work and uh, works pretty good. So check it out. All right, to kick us off for today's episode, I'm actually going to play the, the audio little bit that was sent to us by James. And he's going to talk a little bit about... Uh, Web 2.0, Web 3.0, some of the technicalities, and actually being a designer and also learning some of these uh, new technologies and being able to make something very, very cool by doing so. So let's hear what he has to say, and then I'm going to comment about that. And, uh, well, here you go. Hello, my name is James Gardner. This is a recording for Adam Hay of Rookie Designer. Uh, I'm doing this because he's asked for recordings from people he'd uh, like to hear in the show and uh, this is my submission. I'd like to talk about with him and his audience today the future of uh, the combination of graphic designer and and technical person who usually implements uh, sites, websites and RIA sites or which internet application sites. Now. Uh, I'm a technologist, I study this quite a lot. I actually work in film and television, do implementations of business models for, for doing uh, digital signage, uh, cinema maintenance, uh, cinema automation, uh, and future digital conversion of cinema systems. And we use a lot of RIA type technologies. Uh, it's a big belief in our company that any application you build these days should probably be internet based unless there's a good reason not to be and uh, let's talk about uh, like in my position I, I deal with a lot uh, between getting a graphic designer to make uh, interface or components which then have to be implemented into the um, system uh, now on this let's talk about the designer first and some uh, ideas of what's going on in that space first of all uh, got Adobe with uh, the new version of Flex and uh, which is mainly an RIA implementation program and Flash which is to back it up and the new kit on the block is Silverlight from Microsoft um, now Adobe's been doing this for a long time and Flash is basically the huge tool of the internet for doing a lot of this stuff and the tool of choice I should mention though Ajax is out there as well and it is basically uh, very very popular especially in the web 2 area now I'd like to give my opinion on some of these I know p people will disagree but you know that's that's life and uh, and I'm willing to listen to what people have to say it's one of the reasons why I'm doing this I'd like to hear how other people view these markets first of all in terms of um, designers designers in, in my opinion from where I stand doing these interfaces etc is um, Designers are designers, they like to design, they're not really, uh, uh, get how they get there is not so uh, important. Uh, they have to learn Photoshop, they have to learn these tools, but once they've learned them and they know how to implement what they want to implement, they're not always that keen to go learn everything again, which is what's sort of happening at the moment with implement all these new implementations. This is one of the main reasons I believe uh, Ajax is doing so well. I've got a lot of feedback from people that uh, things like Flex and uh, Silverlight is 
not needed because uh, we can do it all in Ajax. As someone who works from the other side, I completely disagree with that. Ajax is fantastic and all these new JavaScript tools are very good for doing nice simplistic implementations. But if you start to get into anything that's a little bit more enterprise or a little bit more useful, the uh, way that you implement these impl uh, these programs in Ajax and the JavaScript becomes just unmanageable and not an efficient language and there is definitely need for something a little bit above or beyond that sort of implementation and this is where Flex and Silverlight are coming in. Flex is growing very fast. If you're a really good Flex programmer, you can pretty much ask what you want from what I hear. So if you're willing to learn something like that as a designer, it's probably a good move. But it is definitely uh, a more a big jump from the ActionScript 2. Uh, and I think it's going to cause a f quite a few problems in the area where I, I have quite a lot of designers. I know they're not coders, but they try hard because... Uh, it's very helpful to them in their flash in their flash development, and they like to do a lot of cutting and pasting and uh, into their timelines, and that's great. And uh, they don't always have to understand 100% of what's going on, but it works. But unfortunately, in, in ActionScript 3, that's not as um, it just doesn't work as easily as it does in ActionScript 2. So um, yeah. In ActionScript 3, you really need to know how to program. It's more based on classes and understanding classes, which is a very complex thing to get your head around for uh, a lot of designers that I've tried to teach this. And uh, so, yeah, it's all it's all coming around. But uh, if we really look at it, uh, the hottest area of the market at the moment is sort of going that way. You can tell by the fact that Microsoft is pulling out all stops to try and grab into the flex flash mark with Silverlight and I must admit their implementation is far superior than flex but uh, at the same time it has baggage in terms of the fact that it's owned by Microsoft alone uh, makes people very anxious and flex flash can do pretty much what you want anyway um, uh, without having to go with that sort of uh, baggage now, so if we look at that, in my general, I generally think that a lot of designers, once they know how to design, are less inclined to learn another tool because they're doing what their passion desires, which is to design something. Um, trying to get them to relearn to try and be able to back into uh, tools like this new Flash or or even harder into Silverlight's design studio, which again will be completely different those sort of moves are needed and uh, I think it's a it's a good move for a, a budding designer to possibly jump in and get their feet wet there because uh, this is going to be a big part of uh, the internet's future and if you want to call it web 3.0 where internet applications really do start to evolve so really my question and, and as and as I've shared some of my beliefs on that area is, is what Adam thinks about this and what his viewers think about what I've said. I know some will disagree um, and I agree I'm probably a little bit, uh, you know, I, I slant towards the other area a little bit just to try and get my point across. But um, uh, yeah, I'd like to hear back from Adam and his viewers and thank you for listening. Bye.
So first off, again, I just want to thank, thank James for sending in the, the audio clip for us. And I thought he had some very good points there. Uh, also, his, your job sounds very, very interesting, uh, the things that you do there and, and some very good insights. And I can totally see where you're coming from with this thing. And I wanted to talk about this because I find myself in that situation myself. And uh, I know that there's some people that I've talked to on the forums before that are kind of in that position to where you have that design background, but you start moving into these these new technologies of where you're having to actually learn almost how to program things. Uh, you're not learning like C++ or anything, but you might be learning some some pretty intensive JavaScript or action scripting or other other forms of scripting that allow you to get these things done. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say for the general population of designers, I don't think this is a reality. And I don't think it's because these people don't have the ability to learn this stuff. I think more in more cases, it's going to be the fact that they don't really want to learn this stuff. And I can speak from experience because I find myself sometimes, um, for those of you who may not know if there's new listeners out there, I started out in print design and recently, I guess it wasn't that recently now, about a half a year ago or more, moved into web design. So I spend most of my time these days actually writing code, writing HTML, JavaScript, um, been getting into some some more heavy duty stuff. I did a little bit of action scripting before that, but not too much. Um, and it's it's a big step. It's a huge step, as James said. It's it's a big undertaking to to come from that background of of doing things more like just using Photoshop or, or using InDesign. And maybe you've had some you know some interaction with XML through some of those things, but not not even on the same scale. When you start talking about learning learning about functions and classes and, and things of this nature, it's it's like I said, a, a huge undertaking. The learning curve is pretty steep and it's going to take you a while to get up there. And the thing that's even worse than that is it's the hill just keeps climbing and climbing. It's like you're never going to get to the top because it seems like every other week there's some new thing coming out with these things. There's a new there's a new uh, implement, implementation or a new architecture that you need to learn now. Or in the case that he was talking about with uh, Flash, Flash has been around for a long time. The action script has been growing with each version. But now you have Silverlight out here. And just know, just working with web and knowing that there's web standards, but Microsoft has always had those, those things about their, their browser, about ways to write for their particular environment that are proprietary, that are only in their stuff. I know that there's probably a lot of stuff like that in Silverlight. And I think that's probably what James was talking about. One of the hindrances of that one is that it's owned by Microsoft because they tend to do that. They tend to make something their own and, and try and get to try and get people to program only for their stuff. Try and make it so that you can't make something that's kind of, I don't want to say cross browser because it's not necessarily a browser, but something that will work in their environment as well as others. They, they don't tend to like that. So it makes it very hard. Um, so it kind of throws people into that niche thing where either you're going to be a Flash developer or you're going to be a Silverlight developer. And I think that's the way they like it. If you want to learn both, well, now you got even more to learn. So getting back to the whole designer versus uh, programmer or more technical person, these are two very, very different things. 
And again, I'm not trying to discourage anybody. I'm not trying to say there's no way you can do this. If you're like a regular print designer, there's no way you can learn this stuff. It's too hard. It just, it's, it gets to a point where it's almost like you're moving to the other side of your brain there. A lot of the stuff is very technical. A lot of it doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you start learning it. And again, I speak from experience. The The JavaScript class that I just took was completely confusing for about halfway through. When you get to a certain point, it does tend to click on a little bit, but you know, it, it there's a lot of stuff to, to comprehend there before it all kind of pieces together and you see the whole puzzle. In terms of action scripting in Flash, and if anyone doesn't know, action script is a scripting language that you can use to manipulate uh, Flash. Some of you may have used Flash before. Uh, I talked about the book that I reviewed last time was talking more to designers who design with a timeline. Uh, you may have dr drawn things in Flash and moved them around by using the timeline. Well, you can do pretty much all that stuff by using this scripting language, ActionScript. As I said, it's been building up with each new version of Flash, and now it's almost a full-fledged language in itself. And I say that, you know, it was before, but it's almost more like JavaScript, which is actually where it comes from. It shares many of the same characteristics now as to not only what it can do, but how it's written, how the code is written. Uh, it's, it's, it's very intuitive. If you know JavaScript already, you're probably going to have a very easy time learning ActionScript and putting it to use in a good way. Uh, whereas if you're brand new out of it, or maybe even new ActionScript 1 or ActionScript 2.0, it's, again, going to be a bigger jump for you to jump up to 3.0 because they pretty much overhaul the whole thing. So um, it's all about learning and, and learning curves and how much time you actually have to devote to this and how much you actually want to devote yourself to this. Do you want to be that person? It's always good to be able to do a lot of these things yourself, but, you know, going back way, way back to probably, I don't know, one of the first 10 episodes we did, sometimes you can spread yourself a little bit too thin trying to know all this stuff, especially when we're talking about something like this, where it's almost two completely different worlds. And it is. Coding this stuff and, you know, image manipulation in Photoshop have almost nothing to do with each other. Now, they can complement each other, and I, I guess that's kind of what I was talking about in the intro. If you do know both of these things, man, you're going to be able to knock some people's socks off because generally the people who are very smart who know a lot about coding or programming cannot design for their life because they're that kind of person. They think with the other side of their brain, and they just don't think that way. They're not good at putting the, the beautiful face on the, on the crazy application that they made. And that's generally why you're going to have a designer or a design team and then the programming team or the developing team. And that's how it's been for years on the websites. Well, you know, we're moving a little bit out of the websites maybe, but it's the same thinking there. So um, I don't know. I don't know if I'm not even answering James's question, but I think, I think I actually like those two pieces separate. Now, if you're smart enough to be able to do all that stuff and talented enough to, to be able to design some nice looking graphics or a nice skin or a nice face to your application, then by all means, go ahead and do it because you're light years ahead of a lot of people. And, and if you can possibly know both of those things, then that's great. 
Now, if you're just on the design team working with the development team, if you could at least know a little bit about what they do, that's going to help you a ton as well. You know, I find myself in my job sometimes not knowing what the hell they're talking about because they're talking about some kind of, you know, architecture or something in the Java world that makes absolutely no sense to me. Or even to further that, they're talking about something in the PC environment world that I don't know about. But, uh, you know, it makes me feel kind of lost. It makes me feel like, you know, I'm not, I'm not really part of the team so much. So knowing a little bit about what they do, yeah, that's absolutely going to be beneficial to you because it's going to help you understand the way everything's being put together and which is always a good thing when you're designing for something, we've said it before, you want to know about that. You want to know how it's put together, what it's supposed to do, and that helps you design well for it. But as far as like somebody aspiring to know all this stuff, I would not expect it. I think it's too hard. And maybe more than just being too hard, it's going to take you too long to learn all this stuff and to keep up on all this stuff so that you know all the latest technologies. The keys to the game. Our key command for today has absolutely nothing to do with the topic, uh, but I thought it was a pretty interesting one from Photoshop, and it is to reselect. Now, many of you probably know that when you make a selection with one of the selection tools, you can deselect by pressing Command or Control D, but you may not have known that you can actually reactivate that selection by adding Shift to that. So uh, this might not seem that useful because if you accidentally deselect something and you want to reselect it, you could just press Command Z, right, or Control Z to undo it. But what if you deselect something and you start painting something or you start using another tool or you do something else, then, you know, you're getting into multiple undos and, and you might actually lose that ability to reselect something. Well, as long as you haven't made another selection, you can always reselect this no matter what else you do in the meantime. So that's where it becomes handy. So to reselect something that you deselected in Photoshop, you're going to press on the PC Control Shift and D and on the Mac Command Shift and D. All right, I'm going to do another book report segment for today. And this might be something that actually is uh, a little more regular on the show. I've been, I've actually had the opportunity to be sent several books to review, which is great. And uh, all of these are from the, the O'Reilly publisher. And the one that I have for today actually kind of directly relates to what we're talking about. And it's a book called Essential Action Script 3.0. And this is written by Colin Mook. And this is uh, another great book, another great book. And the reason that it's that I say that it's great, as I said before, we were talking last week about the missing manual for Flash CS3. And I said, that one is more for designers. That is the one that goes through how do you, how do you use the tools? How do you use the drawing tools? How do you animate things in the timeline? Well, this is, this is uh, kind of taking it to the next level, taking the next step. If you do want to be one of those people that knows ActionScript, then this is a great book because he explains everything in such great detail that, you know, again, maybe you won't get it the first time, but if you read through a couple of times, I think it'll start to make sense to you. Now, I just read a, a book very similar to this, and I say it's very similar because I read through the first few chapters, and it goes over all the basic elements and shows you how this language is built and how you use it. And 
the book that I just finished was my JavaScript book for my class did almost exactly the same thing. As I said, ActionScript comes from, it's a derivative of JavaScript, and you can see the similarities. It's not written exactly the same, but in this version 3.0, they get a lot closer than they ever were in the in the previous versions of ActionScript. So um, a great book if you want to learn. This is, uh, it says on the top here, ActionScript 3.0 Programming Fundamentals. And it definitely is. They, they teach you from the bottom up how to use this language. And uh, it, gets in some, it gets into some pretty heavy-duty stuff that allows you to do some pretty amazing things in Flash. And if, you really, if, if you're one of those people that wants to take Flash and be able to do those crazy things that maybe you've seen on somebody's website, then this is what you need. You're not going to be able to do that stuff in the timeline. You're going to need this, this action scripting ability to be able to pull those things off. So again, uh, I definitely recommend this book. I think it's a good one for beginners. Again, not everybody has the aptitude for this. So if you buy this book and you don't understand it, please don't blame me and don't blame the writer. It just may be that you're not cut out for this stuff. But I think if you read through this book a couple of times, if you get it, I think it'll make sense because he does do a very, very good job of explaining things. So again, that's Essential Action Script 3.0. And that's by Colin Mook. And it was put out by O'Reilly. And I will have... Uh, I will have a little thing in the show notes as I did last week where you can actually go and buy the book and uh, I'll say a couple of things about it as well. But uh, definitely check that one out if you get the chance. All right, for the last part of the show, what I wanted to do is talk a little bit about some of the other things that James brought up, but I think they've been brought up even before that. When I had the interview with uh, Ori from uh, Anaboom, he was talking about a couple of things related to Web 2.0. And James also brought up Web 2.0. So what is Web 2.0? Well, it was actually a phrase, and it was actually coined by O'Reilly Media, who just, you know, as I said, put out the book that I was just talking about. Um, I think these days, though, I mean, it was coined in, let's see, 2003, 2003, 2004. And I think it's kind of confusing to some people, because if you asked 10, 15 different people what Web 2.0 is or what it means, I think you'd probably get, you know, at least a few different answers about that. The one thing that it's not about is some kind of new way to write the code or some kind of new architecture for, for the pages or for the code or anything. It has nothing to do with that. It's really more about including the user in the experience that is the internet, or that is your website. Good examples of this are social networking sites like MySpace. Everybody loves MySpace these days. There's a thousand spinoffs of that. YouTube. It's just a video site, right? Well, no, because people put up their own videos. People can share videos and emails and on their MySpace and on their website. So it's very interactive. Uh, this is also a time when blogging got very, very popular. Of course, we know blogging spawned podcasting, so I guess you could say podcasting is under that umbrella of Web 2.0 as well. It's a way for people to get the message out, have people interact with them through their website. Uh, with blogs, I think a very important thing that came that you'll probably notice, if you ever read uh, your, your local newspaper site or any newspaper site, for that matter, even things like CNN or magazine sites where they write articles, you can now actually pl place comments on each of these articles. 
So, you know, if you read an article and you think the writer is full of crap, you can tell them right there on the web page. Or you can maybe throw out some new thoughts or maybe have a discussion with somebody who had already placed a comment or maybe people that may place a comment after you. Uh, it's it's very interactive and that's what Web 2.0 is. It's It's getting that interactivity, getting the user really in the experience of your website rather than just putting up some static content that they're supposed to read or watch or listen to. So, um, of course, all these new technologies that both, you know, I've been talking about and that James alluded to, these are, these are key in this because this is what gives you this interactivity, this ability to manipulate graphics, manipulate information, uh, accept things from the user and then give them back to the user and share them with other people as well. So, I mean, that's, that's where all this stuff comes from. And, and that's really where web 2.0 was going and is still going. It's, it's constantly evolving. Now he alluded to web 3.0 a little bit, and I can't remember what, what he said about it, but, um, my idea of what web 3.0 is, and he talked a little bit about, uh, Silverlight, which is Microsoft's version, kind of version of Flash or Flex technology. And Flex is is a way to write applications. And I believe you actually use ActionScript. You use, you use Flash technologies to write applications in Flex. Hopefully I'm correct about that. I haven't actually done it myself and don't really plan to. Um, Web 3.0 though, Silverlight, there's a new thing called Air. It, it was nicknamed Apollo. Um, it recently was changed to Adobe Air. It's actually not out yet, but this is an environment for writing applications. And let's try and make that make sense. What you would do is you download this, uh, I guess you could call it software. It's actually called an environment. It's almost like the Flash Player. You would download this and install it one time, and then you can download all these programs that were made in Adobe Air. And then what they do, you just open them up. The first time you open it up, it kind of asks you to install it, which you would do one time. And then it's on your desktop. It's like a regular, it's it's basically like an executable, but it's not an executable. So you open these things up. They could be anything from a very small widget that does almost nothing. Maybe it's just a funny little animation. Uh, I'm sure people have widgets now probably on both both platforms. Probably have some out there that don't really do much. You know, I have ones that are, uh, they, all they do is grab quotes from the Simpsons. They don't have any interactivity. They don't even have animation. It just grabs that information from a website. Well, this is kind of what Air is is going towards. You can actually build applications that talk with people's websites. And the best example I saw of this was an application that was made. It was kind of like a dashboard for eBay. And what would happen is when you're, let's say you're on a laptop, when you're in your Wi-Fi area, when you have, uh, when you have connectivity to the internet, it would actually pull down the information just as if you were on the website. So you'd be scrolling through and it would be just like you're on eBay's website. The big thing is, the big deal is once you come out of that Wi-Fi area and you're not connected to the internet, you can still use this thing. All the information that was brought in from the website is downloaded on your machine and you can scroll through it still. You can see things. Um, you can't actually place the bid. You can place the bid, but it's not going to go up to their website until you get connected back to the internet. Also though, if you want to set up a page for yourself, you want to sell something, 
you can do that. You can build your whole web page. You can do everything and, and say, save this. And what it does, it puts it in, in a little area that waits. And as soon as you get back in that Wi-Fi area and you're connected to the internet, it sends all that information. If you placed a bid, it would send that up. Uh, all the pages that you made for your things that you want to sell, it'll send those up. And those are now on the website. So just a, a new way for you to have everything right there on your desktop, but be able to also interact with a website as if you were in a web browser. So this to me is my idea of Web 3.0. It seems like all the applications that are on the internet are trying to get down to the desktop. They want to be right in people's faces there. Whereas kind of the funny thing is, on the other hand, applications that are on the desktop that were created for the desktop are now trying to get on the internet. You notice, uh, I think it was before CS3 came out, there was an announcement that Photoshop was actually going to have a new version that was online. So people could go to the website and use Photoshop. It's not going to be, of course, uh, the same as Photoshop. It's not going to have all that great functionality, but it'll give them a little taste. And, and you know, obviously what they're trying to do is get these people who have never used it, get them up there, let them use it, and, and get them hooked on it so that now they want to buy the, the desktop application. And it's just both ways. They're just trying to get the most penetration that they can. For web web applications, you know, it's getting on the people's computer. For the ones that are already on the computer, it's trying to get the attention of those people on the internet who don't have that program on their computer yet. So this to me is is Web 3.0 if there actually will be one. And uh, I, guess they, I guess there probably will be. Uh, the other piece to Web 2.0, though, I think is the design elements. There's a lot of styles going around that people are calling Web 2.0. So this is, this is another answer you might get if you ask somebody what Web 2.0 is. Uh, a lot of this business where everything has reflections underneath it. And uh, sometimes, actually a lot of times these days, that's actually done with uh, JavaScript rather than actually building it into the image. Uh, there's, there's some uh, scripts out there that you can use, very actually pretty easy to implement if you know what you're doing. And it, it gives you an automatic reflection of whatever image you have on your page. So as you can imagine, that's a lot easier than making the reflections in Photoshop every single time. Uh, another thing is the shiny text, shiny like bubble text, not so much the gel that we saw like a few years ago, but just something that has like a, a reflection on it, not a reflection, but a highlight across the top. Um, I, I'm thinking a good example right now is Skype. If you've ever seen the, the Skype, it's kind of in a big bubble, very bright, vibrant colors, and it's got that kind of reflective light on the top of it. Uh, you'll see this on on a lot of websites these days. Another one is the return of the Starburst. You see Starbursts everywhere. Now, I can't say that they're as annoying as they used to be. And uh, if you don't know what a Starburst is, it's a, one of those really annoying things that used to be on ads and it would say, you know, wow on it, or it would say, you know, a price in really big print. But it was it was a star that was all jacked up where, you know, none of the points are really this coming out to the same circumference or whatever you, whatever you might say. Um, these days they're more circular. You know, you'll see these a lot of times. Sometimes they'll actually say 2.0 in them. Actually, many, many times they will. Uh, they'll say new or they'll say beta or, you know, just some kind of indication to you of, of something that's going on on that website. Uh, also very clean layouts which I think is probably the best thing that came out of this Web 2.0 style is, is everything is very clean now. And it, it kind of reminds me of 
the Apple website um, now and before. Apple has always had a very clean looking website. They don't put a whole lot of pictures on there. If there is a picture on there, it's, it has a certain purpose. It's not just a picture on there for being, for the sake of being there. Um, something with the application, with the, with the website for where I work hasn't been re- redesigned for a very long time. And you still find those little pictures of happy people. People don't do this anymore. Well, not in this style anyways. And and I, I think it's the greatest thing ever because I can't stand going to a website and seeing some, a picture of some happy family or a very happy um, um, dispatcher or somebody who's on the phone ready to take your order and they're just smiling like they just ate a, a whole pie themselves. I can't stand this. This doesn't do anything. This doesn't sell me the product. This doesn't make me happy. It makes me feel bad because these people are working and they're happier than I am. Anyways, the style is to keep everything clean. Actually, very minimal use of pictures. You see more little icons these days, little illustrated icons uh, kind of explaining what the different things are. Another thing is the, the three-step process. You see on a lot of websites, um, it's kind of like moving you along. This is how you do it. You're going to subscribe to our website, then you're going to get this information or whatever, and then you're going to you know, see the benefits, blah, 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 one, two, three. And there'll be little graphics, little icon graphics that show you how easy it is to use their product or how easy it is to use their website. All very, very good things, all kind of converging into that same style of, of being very clean, being very easy to read and very easy to use. There's not a whole lot of clutter that you have to read through to get to the information that you need. So that's uh, kind of the styles that have been going around with Web 2.0. But as we said, it's mostly about the experience, getting the user into that experience. And the technologies obviously play the biggest part in that because they're what give you that interactivity, that ability to create really uh, attractive and and engaging content. Getting back to the point of this whole thing, though, I think it's really up to you to decide which which side you're on. Because I don't think, I think for the majority of people that those the technologies that are out there these days and programming that stuff and writing the scripts is not really going to mix a whole lot with, even if you're a flash designer, you know, and you're truly a designer, you're communication designer. If you come from that world, it's going to be harder for you to, to move over and start doing that scripting. Not impossible, but it's hard. It's going to be harder. It, it's going to be attainable, but to go above and beyond and be able to do what the superstars in that field are doing, you're probably going to have to pick and choose one side or the other. You're probably not going to be able to be up to that standard and be able to do both sides of it. So that's my, that's, I guess that's my answer to James. Hopefully, hopefully that answers your question. Um, as far as things like Silverlight and all that kind of stuff, I, I really, at this point, I don't know what to make of it. I haven't checked out Silverlight yet. Uh, I, I'm noticing that it does a lot of the same things that Flash does, but in a way, uh, it's, it kind of has its own environment itself. So it seems a little bit like um, they knew what was going, what was going on with Adobe Air and that that's what they're trying to actually compete with is that whole getting getting web applications down to the user's desktop to be able to uh, to have more exposure. One of the other things that James talked about was Ajax. 
And for many of you, Ajax probably sounds a little funny. Sounds like a, a detergent that you would use to clean your bathtub. But actually, it is a web development technique, and it's used for creating interactive web applications, kind of like what we're talking about. He said Ajax can be used instead of, in lieu of, some of the action scripting or the flex, the flash stuff, which is true. And, uh, you know, some people probably do think that it could replace that stuff. There are some people, some web people out there who have always been and probably always will be anti-flash. They just don't like the flash. They don't like the fact that you have to, you know, download a whole new plugin to look at this stuff and all this, whatever. Um, yes, it, it, there are some things that it probably could replace. There are some things that it probably never will. It is good. I think the best thing about Ajax is it allows you to bring information into a web page without repainting the whole page. Meaning if you have a page that has maybe a table with data in it, if you want to go and change the data, maybe you're getting different, uh, different information for a different time period, different dates, then you could actually do that. You could bring in that information using Ajax and you don't have to reload the page. The only thing that changes is the information, the data that you're bringing in. Meaning you don't have to, if you have images on that page, you don't have to reload those. If you, you don't have to reload your navigation or anything else on the page. The only thing that's coming in is the, the data. And I think that in itself is probably the best thing about Ajax. I know there's a lot more fancier stuff you can do with it, but that to me is the best. And when you're in web design, you know that one of the most important things to you is making sure the user experience happens very quickly. You don't want people waiting around for your information or for your data because if they have to do that, all they have to do is click on, you know, another link or another button or the back button and they're out of your site. And, and that is obviously the worst thing that could ever happen to you as a web designer. You want people to stay in your website as long as possible. So Ajax is just another great way to do that. As far as the other technologies, though, I think it's I think it's pretty much icing. It's it's for making something that that is really going to be engaging, something that's really going to pull that user in and make them stay there because it's entertaining. Uh, I've even checked out. Uh, there's a lot of things out here like this now, but uh, I checked out the Adobe Air seminar today. There was like an online seminar, and just to check out what it was all about. I didn't understand a lot of the stuff that was going on because he actually went through the code. Of, of how he set it up. But, you know, this is being used even by, this was used by a company called Big Spaceship. You might have uh, checked out before. And let me write that down. I'll actually put their link in the show notes. But what they were using it for, a little bit different, they were using it for basically just user experience to make something that looks very cool. This is a, this is a company that works for like Nike. They work for, they basically make the, the websites, the web content, uh, the multimedia content for major motion pictures. One of the ones that they were showing was Grindhouse. They had some applications that they made for that. So, I mean, this isn't even so much, you know, hooking up to a database and like doing that thing like I was talking about with the eBay site. This is more just purely entertainment. And it's something that needs to look very good. It might be a game. It might be, you know, just something interactive like that. But, uh, the, the technology is being used all over the place and uh, it's, it's only going to get more, more and more out there as time goes on because this is the way things are going. So um, I don't know. I feel like I'm babbling today. I'm kind of flying by the seat of my pants, but I guess the point is once again, you know, 
this is probably not going to be something that you're going to be dabbling in both sides of. You may dabble in it, but you're not going to be a, a complete pro on both sides. So I, I don't think that that's a realistic goal. I think if you can, then you're truly an amazing designer and also an amazing thinker, amazing intellect, because it takes that capacity to be able to do both of these things. I don't think that should ever keep you from actually trying to learn some of this stuff, though, because as I said, it's good to at least know what's going on, to know what it's about, especially if you're designing the, say, client-facing side of it. If you're designing a skin for some application that somebody's making, it's good to know a little bit about what that thing does and how it's built. It's going to help you out in the long run. But as far as knowing every single detail about it, that might not be so important. Sometimes it's good to be able to just kind of tool around the internet and look at things and just be in awe and, and totally, you know, you want to know how to do that because it's so incredibly cool, but you just got to, uh, succumb to the, the forces that be and say, you know what, I'm never going to have the time to learn how to do something like that unless I devote my life to it. And I have that problem all the time. I want to know how to do everything. I'm one of those guys that, man, wow, that looks really cool. And then I got to go buy a book about it and try and learn it. And I find myself kind of, you know, I know little bits and pieces here and there, but I'm never getting to that, that area where I can be that, that super duper and make something that cool. So like I said, sometimes it's, it's just better to be in awe of, of what they've done and just kind of leave it at that and say, you know, that's very cool that somebody can do that. Maybe I can work with somebody to make something that cool someday, but probably not going to be able to ramp myself up on all the knowledge I need to be able to, to get that done. And I'm trying not to end on, on a sour note, on a discouraging note, but, you know, sometimes it is just too much, but that's not to say, you know, if you, if, if you're inspired enough and you want to learn this stuff, then there's definitely going to be a job for you out there for many, many years to come. Um, there will always be the print jobs. There will always be, you know, the multimedia jobs, the video jobs. There'll be some, none of that stuff is going away, but web design and design of, of these uh, rich internet applications, that is where it's at. That's where things are going. And there's going to be tons and tons of work for those people with those skills for, for years and years to come. So if you're just starting out and you don't know what you want to do, now is maybe the time to start looking at that stuff and seeing if maybe that's something that interests you, something that you think that you can take all the way and actually become one of those uh, superstar veterans of uh, crazy internet design because it will pay handsomely. I, I guarantee that. There, that was much more upbeat. Now we can move on to the uh, rookie mistake. Now that's what I call a rookie mistake. The tip for today is not really so much of a mistake, I would say. Somebody sent me an email and was just kind of asking me a question. And their question was, if I don't really know how to build a website or if I don't have time to build this big glorious website for my business or for my portfolio site, is it okay to use a social networking site? Is it okay to use MySpace or some of the other ones that are out there? My response to this would be, if you have absolutely no other option, I mean nothing. If you can't, first of all, if you can't build something your first course of action would be to try and find somebody to either pay or maybe trade some work with 
or barter something else and get them to build you just a simple little website, a simple little portfolio or a business website. That is the best way to go. If you can't do that, there may be other resources out on the web where you can find spots where they'll allow you to park you know, a website. There's always, you know, most hosting companies actually offer some sort of way to put up a website. Now, sometimes that's going to be things like front page, which might not float your boat. It definitely doesn't float mine, but it may be better than nothing. Another option might be setting up your own blog, which isn't always a hard thing to do. Everybody's got blogs these days. And if you go to a site like Blogger, they give you the tools to be able to make something that uh, might not look totally bad. The one hesitation that I have with social networking sites, especially like MySpace, actually a couple of things. First of all, there's advertising all over it. Advertising that you don't know what it's going to be. MySpace in particular has ads with girls on it. I guess it's some kind of uh, hotline that you can call or something like that. Um, kind of sexual in nature. There could be anything on there. There's there's ones for rock bands and who knows who this band is, you know, I it's, it's just not a good situation when you may have clients coming to look at this site. It, it's not good to have, not have control over things that are on your website. Another thing is, and actually I think the bigger thing is, if you're going to use MySpace, there's a lot of negative connotations that go along with MySpace these days as to what people use it for, the fact that it's mainly kids. Um, Maybe some people think that there, and there probably is a lot of predators looking for kids on that website. So some people are just going to have a bad attitude if they go to your your business site or your portfolio site and find that it's on MySpace. They, that might turn them off before they even see your artwork. So I would I would hesitate to use that. Now, there are, that's not the only one out there, of course. And there are actually networking sites out there for business professionals, for design professionals. Um, Communication Arts, I believe, has a little area where you can, I think you have to pay for it, but you can set up your own portfolio and you can set up a a spot where you can talk a little bit about yourself and your work experience. Uh, We talked before with with the CEO of Anaboom. If you're an animator, that is a website that you can use and you can put up work experience. You can put up your own animations I mean, there's, there's resources out there for you. Now, do I think those things are better than having your own website? I still kind of don't. I would, I would prefer that you would have both so that if you're actually sending somebody to your website, you have your own website. But, you know, having something on something like on a website like Anaboom, probably a good thing too, because they're going to have more people coming to that site than are probably going to be finding your site. So there are advantages to it. Also, you know, if you're marketing to people on MySpace, if you want to design, you know, MySpace pages for people, obviously you're going to want to advertise there. You want to put your business site on there. I'm talking about, you know, trying to get a job somewhere professional or something, you know, if you're doing freelance or something like that, and that's not the type of people you want to appeal to, then you want to probably keep it away from things like MySpace. But in general, I think you're best off to be able to have your own web page, even if it's addition in addition to having these other sites. Things are getting a bit out of hand. Looks like it's time to go to the bullpen. For a resource today is one of the websites that was actually sent in for contest number three. One of the people that sent it in. 
and it's actually a tutorial video website. All the video, all the tutorials that they have on this website are in video format, which is great if you're like me and you love watching things. You're a very visual learner. That's how I like to learn. Um, I've, I have a hard time actually doing it in books, but uh, when I get to watch somebody actually do something in a video, it really helps me out. Now I must say I watched a couple of videos on here and they're not all very good quality. I mean, you can't expect like crystal clean quality like we see on Quick Tips for Designers. But, um, you know, as long as the information is good, as long as the content is good, shouldn't bother you that much. It, it wasn't totally uh, off-putting. It was good enough that I think I could actually go there and watch some videos. And they had, they have lots and lots of sections. Let me just uh, grab a couple here. I know they had Flash tutorials, Photoshop. Uh, they even have things like HTML, web hosting, After Effects, PHP, and MySQL, JavaScript. So they have all, all kinds of stuff here, even some 3D stuff. So uh, yeah, check this, check this uh, website out if you get some time. I think it's definitely worth checking out at least. And uh, one of the things that I thought was cool, and I had actually thought of, about doing this before, not that I never will, but they have a little, a little area where you can request a tutorial. Now, of course, I've done that before. I've asked uh, people for, for requests for tutorials for quick tips, but I think this is a great idea. If you have a certain question, you'd like to see somebody actually do a video of it, then uh, you can do that there as well. And uh, let me just add that you can do that with me as well. You, if you want to send me something and, and be able to watch it on Quick Tips, then uh, I've done that several times already. So uh, you can definitely do that. But check out this website. It is at tutorialvid.com. Tutorialvid.com. And you'll find that. And that'll be in the show notes as well if you uh, don't catch that URL. All right, real quick before we get out of here, please tell a friend about this podcast. And if you have something to share with the podcast, then uh, if you can record it, do that and send me a, an MP3 or something, or just send me an email, an attachment, a Word doc, a PDF, anything you want. Just uh, share whatever you want to share with with uh, Ricky Designer and the audience that we have here. I think it'd be great to, to get more uh, listener participation. Uh, you can contact me several ways. Adam at rickydesigner.com is my email. You can email me anytime with any question or comment or anything. You can go to myspace.com slash rickydesigner if you are on MySpace. You can use Skype and Skype me at username titanstrides. Just send me a, an instant message and that's the best way that I'll try and get back to you. Or you can go to the forum rickydesigner.com slash forum. New and improved forum with uh, less and less spammers. So uh, check that out. Again, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for sending me all the emails that you send me. Thanks for participating in the contest and the forum. And most of all, thanks for spreading the word about Ricky Designer. That's how we get this awesome, awesome audience that we have. Uh, and yes, I'm talking about you guys. And uh, any new listeners that may have been listening in, um, hope you like the show. This probably was a little crazy one. It was, it was a little less formatted than we usually have. But I thought we covered some pretty good topics anyways. And uh, well, hopefully you thought so too. All right, that's it for this time. So uh, just remember, everybody's a rookie before they're an all-star. That one's high. It's got the distance. It's high. Shit, shit, she's a bombshell. Shit, 
Straight, 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 straight,